you can review what you want to review. When you have a podcast, it's the Review a New Podcast. And uh, for my uh, next filmmaker we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at a legendary name in comedy, uh, especially sketch comedy. Someone whose uh, show in living color I personally grew up on. It was the coolest sketch show on TV, SNL Can Eat a Dick. And that man is the ringleader of the Waynes family, Mr. Keenan Ivory Waynes. Going to be looking at his movies. And uh, this week, I'm going to be looking at his his breakout black exploitation satire, I'm Going to Get You Sucker, with this week's special guest, Ken from Dead End Hip Hop. Ken, let the lovely people hear your voice. Lovely people, you can hear my voice. <laughs> What's going on, man? Let the people know, you know, what, what you're representing, what you're doing over there. So they can, you know what I mean? If they if they like your commentary, they can go check you out. Yeah, you know? appreciate it, appreciate it. Um, yeah, man, we, um, we do a little thing on YouTube. It's a hip hop review and commentary show where we uh, just talk about the culture of hip hop in general and... Um, and that's part of what we do. We've been doing that since 2011. Uh, it's called Dead End Hip Hop. And then we created a podcast network, which has our um, premiere show. The the big one uh, is the mic still on, so you guys can check that out. Mm-hmm. And then um, just a bunch of other shows, man, that's also on the network as well. Uh, Dead End Gaming, Frames Per Second, which is our movie review and TV recap show, and um, Dead End Sports, and, you know, we're doing some reviews on the Dead End Pop podcast feed as well, so, and a lot of other shows also, so, yeah, if they um if they like what they hear or just curious, they can go check those out, um, out there on the internet. My family used to watch In Living Color. Like I remember watching that show ever since I was in diapers, you know. So, but what's your what's your relation to the the Waynes family? Oh uh, man, uh, pretty much the same thing, man. Just growing up watching them on, uh, you know, In Living Color. I mean, it was hilarious, man. It was just dope to see like black guys on TV, black people on TV, making that type of of content, that doing that type of comedy, man. So it was it was rare for for me to see something like that and like i said i really do believe like they were picking up the slack when it came to sketch comedy when like snl was going through the worst of Mm -hmm. the worst from what i remember like that was the period where it was like nah no one really gives a crap about snl at that point you know um and then i feel like mad tv kind of picked it up for a while but mad tv literally only existed because of uh the cancellation of in living color you know about that i used to watch mad tv i used to actually um i read the magazines too my dad he um he 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 would get them all the time so that's how i would would read them so so yeah i i know about mad <laughs> Yeah, the the funny thing about it is, uh, so In Living Color was a thing on Fox first, right? Then it got, it was like in the last season, the Waynes family pulled out and they replaced them with like a whole bunch of like white actors or something like that. And the, and the show just didn't do really well in its last season. And uh, not, not all white actors, but like just more white actors in the role. I remember that. And then it was like, it went off the air and there, there was some sort of dispute with the family and, you know, the censorship and that sort of thing. Then House of Buggin came on, which was John Leguizamo's show. So it was kind of like highlighting, you know, uh, Hispanic Americans and like that sort of sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that was on for like one year in like 1994. And then there was something about how like the network was like, oh, well, you need to have, you know, a couple more white people on your show. And, and I think it was like David Herman was the only white guy on House of Buggin. 
And, you know, uh, John Leguizamo apparently wouldn't budge on that. So they canceled that show. And then in 1995, you get uh, Mad TV with the mostly white uh, hosts and a couple of black people sprinkled out. You know, so it's kind of like, oh, wow, the the executive people got what they wanted, Mm -hmm. you know. But at what cost, man? (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm like, I still rocked with Mad TV for such a long time. But I think it's just so funny. There's that direct through line there of like these two shows that I really enjoyed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I didn't know any of that history so i i just got a history lesson there so that is real interesting uh just to hear that man that's crazy, yeah right? man well looking up uh, about keenan ivory waynes i found out he was a writer on uh a hollywood shuffle and eddie murphy's raw like the comedy i didn't special. know that i'm gonna get you sucker was like the 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 proto in living color for him in a way right because it was like if you watch the movie it does kind of feel like Things are sort of, you know, not made for a plot, but for the idea of, oh, wouldn't this be a funny skit? Wouldn't this be a funny skit? You know? Yeah, it was it was it was a lot about like the joke, and it, it felt like at times there there was they were writing towards uh, to the punchline that they had, and yes. um, so that that's what I got at writing really hard mm-hmm. on the punchline. Yeah, yeah, leading yep. up to the punchline. Mm-hmm. Uh, st- starting off, uh, we get the 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 beginning of the movie. Let's get right into it. Where uh, okay, so. Junebug, who is the the family the familiar relationship in this uh, movie is a little confusing. I, <laughs> maybe you can help me figure it out. Okay, so Junebug has recently died of OGing, which is uh, dying of uh, overdosing on too many gold chains. So overgolding, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a really funny way to like you know just send up the. Revenge fantasy setup that is in all these black exploitation films. You know, it's always they OD'd on uh, crack or something like that that was going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, or no, I guess it was the seventies, so it was like heroin. You know. So you have Junebug, this this character who you find out dies of OGing, and of course they th- there's this running gag of like, how does it go to the bathroom with all this mm-hmm. shit on? <laughs> there's John Witherspoon in a in a great little cameo there. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, but but then you kind of get to the idea of like oh you know Junebug didn't have anyone in his life and the only people that cared for him was uh, th- th- this young woman and this older woman who is Keenan Ivory Wayne's main character's real mom right mm-hmm. and his brother was Junebug but the girl that's with the older brother was was dating Junebug. And Keenan Ivory Wayne. She was married. Wait, I thought she was married. Was she married to him? I don't know. Because <laughs> it was like, at first it was like, oh, that's the reason why she's over there. Because she's like married to this guy. But then later on in the plot, it's like, I wanted to be with him because he reminded me of you. And it's like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, I, I didn't. Okay, so I was 12 when this movie came out. So I was 1988. <laughs> so I wasn't really like connecting all of those dots like that back then. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, thinking about it now as an adult, that is creepy. Like, like when you think about when he first walked in, you know, he, he missed a funeral. You already have Damon and, and uh, uh, Kadeem, Kadeem Harrison going in, make it there. And they are, they are hilarious, yeah. by the way. I think they're the, like the lifeblood mm-hmm. of the comedy of yeah, the movie. W- Willie and uh, I, I forgot the other guy. Uh, uh, Damon's character's name, maybe I think it was Lenny. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so they go in and you know try to beat up the mom and all this other stuff, and 
you know, do the whole little running bit about there's two ways to leave. You get to take the windows or the stairs and, you know, throw them down mm-hmm. the stairs. And then here you go uh, with, um, you know, Jack Spade. And he shows up. Yeah. That's his name. Yeah, and then yeah. he's but but it was like but he's looking at his his dead brother's girl or wife and it's like supposed to be this big romantic moment and I'm like that's kind of weird because <laughs> your brother just died. Yeah, I was like wait. <laughs> and it's like they didn't play it up comedically so it was just kind of like is this just supposed to be okay? Are we not supposed to think about that? Yeah, because, you know, of course there's supposed to be a love interest, but I didn't think the love interest was supposed to be your dead brother's girl. But Yeah, like, at first, I thought, like, they were brother and sister because it was confusing because I was like, wait, there's the mom in the house, and she's around, so is she the daughter, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, but no, she's not the daughter, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was weird. I wanted to uh, specifically bring up what I feel is like the 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 backbone of what the the the, the sort of narrative in a way of the movie, right? Um, there's so the the very initial uh, uh, beatdown that happens is not because of Jack uh, Jack Spade, it's because of the mom that beats up the the two goons <laughs> and you know sends sends them down the stairs, and then you know Jack Spade doesn't even know what's going on, and so when they complain. To, you know, the man, the white guy, uh, that like, oh, yeah, you know, we were trying to get the money, but, you know, the the, the soldier dude came in, you know, the fucking dude. <laughs> and so, like, they make it seem like it's him that's causing the problem when it was really the mother that was doing it. And, like, as the movie goes on, there's this element of, like, Zack Spade wants to fight, but then his mom keeps coming in and, like, emasculating him, basically, and doing it for him. And I thought that was kind of, like, a funny sort of element that was seeded into the jokey narrative of the movie that sort of undermines this uh uh you know the 70s you know big dicked uh black dude getting revenge sort of thing that was going on in the 70s you know it kind of like undermines it initially just by nature of a big oh this guy needs his mom to kick ass for him you know what i mean and it happens in like every scene up until the last scene where he tricks Mm -hmm. her into going into that one room (laughs) you know so i thought that was kind of a funny like oh okay they're trying to say something here but in a fun way i i I see you (laughs) you know yeah and i think you know if you like also just think a little deeply about it because i don't know if they were trying to really you know convey a message there uh outside of just kind of making fun of like the the big you know black masculine guy needing his mom to to you know come get him out of situations because you know he was he was cowardly in in the beginning or throughout the film um he had very little experience and they kind of made made fun of that you know as it went on but you know you think about uh just growing up in certain areas as well you know as kids and you get into your fight, or at least I had a brother, you get into a fight, or and you're fighting your brother, and they'll be like, I'm going to go tell mama, I'm going to go get my mom. And then you also think about how, you know, the black woman is like, and, and black women and black moms are like the, the foundation of, of, of households at times. Like, they're the strength and, you know, the protector that, that goes over everything. And then you think about the kid that's supposed to eventually grow up to become the protector of the household um, as he... Uh, kind of works his way through life and becomes a man and, and fills himself out. And then all of a sudden now I'm the man in the house and now I'm going to take care of you, mom. I no longer need you to protect me. 
So, and you kind of see that as, you know, the movie gets toward the end where, you know, he's like, all right, I, I, I figured this out. So this is what I'm gonna do. I got this. Like, the, yeah, that great scene where it's like, you think it's going to be one of the, you know, uh, black exploitation, black dudes to come in and save the day. And it's his mom. And he's like, oh, God damn it, mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a great moment. Uh, uh, yeah, even though there are like there are so, a lot of comedic moments that are kind of like, all right, we already get where the joke is going here. You know, I, I, there are still legitimate moments that like throw me off, like the the scene with um something in the tales from the hood. You know, the welcome to hell, the Clarence oh, Thomas the Third. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah, his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking. Uh, the he the revolution, the, the black the, the bean pie yeah, revolutionary yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great scene. Just the whole thing of like where he's like, you know, um, he says like, uh, the brothers were going to revolt. You know, they went down to the government building on on Thirty Fourth Avenue and uh, uh, like they were going to take it over. But yeah, but they were hiring that day. <laughs> it's like, ain't, ain't that what it's all about? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whitey is something else. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you have the irony of, like, oh, this guy's talking all this, you know, white people are evil shit. And then, of course, he has this lily white wife with these two kids that he still keeps them quite informed as to, uh, you know, the, the history of America <laughs> with the little Abraham Lincoln project <laughs> that his son has to do. That was... Oh my god, just, I'm sure that was just even more, like, uproariously hilarious, just in the 80s, having a movie in which a 10-year-old white guy, a uh, white boy, talks about how, like, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln, this imperialist, colonial swine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god. <laughs> and then, yeah, as I was watching the movie, I was noticing they actually are direct representations of black masculinity in these movies. You know, you got the Isaac Hayes, the smooth type, and then you've got um, uh, the, the slam, uh, Slammer, who's like, you know, just the hardcore, you know, beat, beat you up type of guy. You know, Jim the, uh, uh, the Dolomite. Uh, no, no, not the Dolomite character. The uh, the, the, the sweet, uh, badass, sweet-ass mm -hmm. song. You know, that type of, you know, silent badass character. Then you've got the, um, uh, you yeah, got the fly guy. character. <laughs> Fly <laughs> guy represent the you know the stylistic sort of side of things you know the, he's a pimp and and uh you know he's real smooth for the 70s which is a hilarious scene when he gets out of jail <laughs> and you can tell it's all like adr like afterwards recorded stuff but something about the aesthetic of how they're talking shit about him just works perfectly when the pimp gets out of jail and he's trying to like act like he's still cool and you just hear like you hear it slowly building where people are like it start it starts to become obvious how much they don't respect this fucking big bird looking pimp guy <laughs> And he, he thought he was tight too, man. <laughs> you could tell him shit. That one, no, there's one moment where someone says he looked like a clown, and then you, and then like his fish tank uh, shoe breaks, and it's just so perfectly timed. Where I just laugh every single time. It's just he looks like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> it's and he's got the yep. fish and the fucking fish tank. <laughs> oh, he thought he was so cool. I used to cry laughing at that scene, man. Like it's that's a classic scene in in tell. Yes, that's an man. Yeah, scene. yeah. That 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 goes that goes down oh, in history. Man.
the big bright yellow suit. Hey man, is it gonna flood outside? <laughs> oh no! They were tearing them up. Oh, it's cold blooded. Um, but uh, so, but it really came together for me watching it the second time when the kung fu black guy Bro. came out. <laughs> <laughs> kung fu Joe. <laughs> Oh my God! Such a like stereotype of the black exploitation era, you know, like it's so over the top, perfect. Like especially when he's like, um, you know, he says he pulls out the picture of Bruce. He was like, he was my trainer. And he's like, oh my God, he taught you kung fu. He's like, no, acting. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the fact of like a kung fu guy. Like, existing in, you know, these movies where it's supposed to be set in, you know, uh, America and shit, where it's just like, okay, yeah, with, with the with the kung fu uh, Chinese cinema, they would always have the excuse of, you know, no guns are allowed here, no guns are allowed there. But it's like, it's America, and it doesn't matter if you learn kung fu, you're going to get your ass shot if you... <laughs> when, they, when the cops pulled him over, and... Oh my god! I just I always so laugh when, when he start talking and it's in that Chinese style. <laughs> Cause he's like so he like he so has that like kung fu guy uh confidence. Ha 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 You cannot face my shower. <laughs> and they lit him up. It was like 57, 57 of you versus me. Yeah, no problem. And they just unloaded. <laughs> oh my god! And then the the anti sex scene of the uh, uh, the, the chick he Man. picks up. You know he he goes over to her. He's trying to you know be all swagger. He's like, oh yeah, you know I got what you need, uh, lady. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, oh, uh, she's like, oh well, I need twelve inches. And he's like, well. Well, <laughs> I think I got that for you. <laughs> and you know, of course, he, he reaps the uh, he reaps what he sows. But that uh, when he uh, you know gets up with the girl in in the back, which I guess there's just an area for them to have sex in the back. I don't know how that worked, but anyway. <laughs> but you know, they just needed to do this contrived thing to set up the the idea of like, oh, uh, you were lying about uh, having a twelve inch uh, penis. Well, I was lying about everything. <laughs> And the, the point that just had me die was where she takes off her butt and she goes like, ha, it's not even the right color. I was like, oh, no. Because, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a general idea of like, you know, oh, like, because this woman doesn't look perfect or whatever. You know, there's the, the, the shaming of women not looking like, you know, you know, the perfect, beautiful woman, whatever the fuck, yeah, coffee brown or whatever the fuck. But uh, the funny thing about that is just how it goes so over the top, like she's missing a leg. <laughs> classic just the idea of this woman just just taking out all of these parts of who she was supposed to be <laughs> like it just keeps getting worse it's like oh my god that's what you get man the leg the leg when she took that leg off she said don't make me don't make me hop after your ass you the fuck <laughs> You know, this is a very wacky, you know, out of control comedy. And I was sort of thinking uh, about Airplane, mm -hmm. right, which came before it. And, you know, it's funny, like, Airplane, the parody movie was making fun of, you know, airport movies, airport dramas, which was apparently a thing in the 70s. And it's like, while it is funny in its own right, like, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know the tropes that are directly being referenced. But with these black exploitation tropes, like, 
I directly knew it because I grew up watching those movies. You know what I'm saying? So in both movies, there's a flashback scene where it's like, oh, flashback to better days when we were dancing. The specific flashback to when we were dancing at some point to 70s music that happens in Airplane and I'm going to get you sucker. But I like it done in this movie better because it's specifically being done to make fun of those uh, solid gold dancers who were such show offs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's specifically ripping on them. So I thought there's like that extra element of joke to it. Like if you know what this is referencing, it's even more funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was, that was another one, man. When I was young and you know, they did that flashback and they just knocking everybody out and it's just kind of pulling back. You just looking in the background of them dancing and everybody just on the ground, just passed out. Another classic (laughs) scene for me, man. Just watching it. Yeah. Especially at 12, like that, that sort of slaps, Dick, over the top type of comedy was just it just it just resonated with me for for whatever reason I don't know I was which is always cracking up at it. So once the plot like kicks in and you know the whole idea is like all right you know now we've got the the team the assemblage of uh, black black exploitation movie tropes now we've got to go take down the man how are we gonna do that we're gonna go uh, take over his clubs and you know these are supposed to be the the good guys, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and there's just one scene where they just go to a club and just start shooting it up. <laughs> like, there's, there's no thematic reason why, like, oh, this makes us the good guys because of how we're doing it. No, like, as far as anyone else in the movie would be concerned, five guys just walked into a club and just started shooting it up. <laughs> like, you guys are the bad guys now. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> And like they, they don't they don't do it in a way where it's like they're hanging a hat on it, you know, to make a joke about the idea of these guys like going over the top. It just kind of feels like no, I feel like just uh, uh, like from a writing perspective, they just wanted to show the idea of look, the the good guys are encroaching on the bad guys, but in order to do that, all I could think of was just have them shoot up the club because <laughs> again, it's just you guys are just shooting at innocent bystanders. Like what? This isn't even like a trope in like black exploitation movies. This is just wrong. <laughs> the the good guys aren't supposed to do this. Why is this happening? Or it was uh or and, and there was another one where they wanted to, wanted to just set up a another joke with the midgets. Or little people, yeah. Oh yeah. They, and they had, <laughs> no, you're right. And, and it, it, it was so well done because they had been setting that up the whole movie with with the the uh I think it's the Evans or whatever. And, he, you know, the mama told the story mm-hmm. and he got, you know, overly emotional about it and wanted to go beat him up. And, you know, he kind of went away. And every every once in a while, he'll, he'll have this reminder about them and, and Lewis, Lewis Mitchell. And then all of a sudden, they, <laughs> they're sitting in there and this guy has big-ass hat on. <laughs> you see that? They're aiming the guns and then, like, they're not paying attention. You see one hat slowly like lift up a veil that's on the hat you see a gun poke out of it it's a <laughs> it's just perfectly hilarious you're like what is happening in this movie <laughs> and then he just tackles the guy he was oh, like man. man i was gonna go get a scooter pop man look scooter pop with that <laughs> and and oh and did you see who it was too yeah I, yeah i used to see him you're talking about the black guy right yeah the dude from bad santa mm-hmm. and uh, yep. myself and irene <laughs> even thinking about like um uh, another classic scene, man. Like if you if you if you if you're around a black person and you say this Chris Rock scene, 
<laughs> when, when he went in there <laughs> and how much for one rib, that is black comedy history. That is a classic. Oh, well, how, how about you pour it in my arm and let me take a sip? Okay, that was that from something else? Did Chris Rock use that somewhere else? Because I feel like I've seen that him do that routine. I don't know. I don't. I mean, now that you asked, you're gonna make me question it. But um, and I would have to look it up because this. But this is yeah. 1988, so it's like Chris Rock was right, on exactly. beforehand. But I could swear I remember saying, like, wasn't he on In Living Color for maybe like a short time, and maybe he did it there? Because I'm just like, I know. But In Living heard Color came after this movie. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, ah, is it just like a retroactive thing where I just heard someone referencing it afterwards, and so I just assumed that you know what I mean? I don't know, but um, now as much as it's a classic skit, I do feel like like just in general, Isaac Hayes is just like too slow for the comedic <laughs> timing of certain moments. You know, like he would be like, yes, oh yeah, 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 yeah. one yeah. real. <laughs> It's like, all right, no, 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 get, keep up with it. It's Chris Rock, you know, it's Chris Rock now. He's moving fast. Yeah, it, it was it was really all about Chris Rock, and I think he did a good job of just being, delivering the joke and being the joke at the same time and overcoming mm-hmm. um, Isaac Hayes' inability to also kind of, kind of, like you say, have that timing to go along with it in his own way yeah, to yeah, make yeah. it funnier, to make it be like this annoyed guy. Cause I think when he was like, all right, let, let me get one, one order of uh, ribs. Like, and then he was like, Oh no, I just want one rib. Like his response didn't really kind of, you know, re- like go in line with the joke itself. Like there should have been another type of response when he said just one yeah, rib. Yeah. Uh, despite the, the, the bit of stifled acting with him, he made me laugh so fucking hard when, uh, they're loading Man. up the guns, and it's just guns on guns on guns. And the person who's loaded up the most is Isaac Hayes. You see, he's got you know two shotguns in both hand uh, in both hands. He's got you know put the little revolver in the back, you know, like a uh, uh, little forty five in the heel, all this sort of stuff. And he's like, "Man, you don't think that's too much?" He's like, huh, "You can never have too much." And then they're just like walking out, looking all badass, and he just slips on one piece of like bullet and just goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> It's so over the top that he just falls and just expends all of his gunfire just immediately after all that buildup. It's just like, d- like despite me knowing that I was going to see it the second time, it still made me laugh so hard just to hear Isaac Hayes just go, and like, you know, after all the badass and you I'm pretty sure they play like fucking war. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Good God. You know, so like, you know, the ultimate badass about to fucking fuck shit up song. And then just, just, off time, you just hear this, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and then the guns just come blasting. It's like, wow. <laughs> Undermines absolutely everything that was happening. Again, another perfectly timed uh, scene. That's the thing about it is. It's it's the comedy that can be so perfectly timed, you can watch it again mm-hmm. and again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, another part I, I used to like, uh, I, I found myself laughing at, um, was when he was like, yeah, I was in the military or the army. I was trained for this. And then they start shooting at him. He was like, they shooting? They shoot. <laughs> they shoot it. They shoot it. Run it back. <laughs> or what about uh? Or uh? The- I thought you was trained. Oh no, man! I got this one for kite flying. I got this. <laughs> and then there was the uh the one where um Sh- Sherry, but she had cramps. Remember she was at the diner. The guy kept bugging her for coffee for coffee, and he, she turned around and she was like this this 
evil creature <laughs> possessed. <laughs> no, that was But so what good. kills it for me every single time was Damon Wayans scream. Oh my God, it takes me out. <laughs> and then Willie come over, and he's like, man, yeah, I heard you screaming like a little bitch over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was whistling. <laughs> you was whistling, help, go get this crazy bitch off me. <laughs> man. Oh, uh, no. They, I really do feel like, like when I watch this movie and go back over, I really do feel like Damon Wayans was like the mm. treasure of the group because he his voice is just funny, his mannerisms are funny, his timing is perfect. I I, I find him to be the star of the show. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He he definitely stole the show, especially at the end where they get, where you know they've been doing the you can take the stairs. Or you can take the and, and he cuts him off before he can do the joke again. He's like, "Oh man, I'm tired of shit. Y'all kiss my natural black ass." And he jumps out of the window, and then someone just goes like, "Anybody tell him about the <laughs> elevator?" <laughs> yeah, and that was that was good to kind of you know like they've been setting it up the whole movie, and then it seemed like they were setting it up again. But they set they used that to set up another joke. Which was uh, which was good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did it like four times, and I remember feeling again when watching the movie again, like, oh, this is gonna get kind of tired. But then, like, in the middle of it happening, like in the middle of the setup for the joke about to happen, Damon Wayans will have a reaction that is so funny that it's just like, okay, but I'm still yeah, laughing. Though, yeah. You know. Like I think the last time when when they were shooting um on top when they were on top of the roof. And they uh they told him the same thing. I think that's when I was like, okay, like we've seen this before. And then they kind of, but they kind of yeah. like threw themselves down the stairs. But this time, what they did was they kind of instead of showing us them going down the stairs, we heard it, and then we heard them like it was it was a long way down. It wasn't just like one flight of stairs; it was multiple flights. So they kind of yeah. extended a little bit, but they delivered it in a different way because they probably knew that, you know, uh, the viewing audience would get tired of that joke over and over again at some point and wouldn't be funny. So I like that they tried to switch it up. There's a bit of comedic heightening that happens in, in small doses that makes it just enough to be worth mm -hmm. coming back to. You know what I yep. mean? So in that way, it's like, it, even for something that's like before what I felt like they really were able to do with a movie like Scary Movie and Don't Be a Menace, like you could still see they have the building blocks of making good comedy, you know, j just off the rip by being naturally, you know, talented people who know how to make the setups mm -hmm. happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, of course, there's there's the ending where, you know, the, there's the callback to, hey, man, we got to have our own theme song. But since it's cool and it's the 80s, we're going to have, you know, BDP, which is actually a pretty fucking cool deep cut to, to see, especially as like a kid. You know, when I was a kid, like I'm getting into the old school rappers, you know, so I'm coming up. One of the big guys I listened to was BDP. And I remember I had the... Uh, the best of BDP album, and it had the Jack of Spades song on here. And then one day, like I'm watching this movie, and I was like, "This is what it's from." <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack, Jack to Jack. Yeah, <laughs> fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought that was funny, and I think it's just to kind of show, um, kind of like you said, like the not the parallels, but the difference in like you know, he walked out the shaft and that was that generation. And then this generation is like hip hop. And they actually did have the yep. shaft music. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I thought that was dope to just show that, um, where, where it was in musically at least and where we are now. Cause it's, 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 it's like a, a, a 
a drastic turn if you really think about it. Especially the fact that when you put into context the idea of like not even two years later, uh, Keenan Ivory Waynes would have a his own TV show in which it was maybe I, I no I do believe it's the first uh, television show with a rap song for the theme song. You know, like that is like in Living Color is kind of iconic for hip hop in that you know, and not only was that it's like you had fucking Heavy D, mm-hmm. you know, who was like again a respected rapper. So it's not like they were just oh you know get MC Hammer or something like that. No, it was like no we're actually gonna represent the culture. We're having fun. But there is an element of this that is really representing the culture. And so, like, you know, again, watching this movie, yeah, they have these respected actors, uh, you know, or respected people who paved the way for them as filmmakers in the 70s with black exploitation movies by getting, you know, guys like, uh, 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 you know, Isaac Hayes and them to do the movie. But then at the end of the day, they're still like, oh, but we want to move it to the next generation because we are, like, the younger generation kind of joking on them. So we're going to play it for real by having uh, a respected rapper, BDP, do the theme song. You know, I I do like those little, like, the nod that lets you know. It's like, no, 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 we know know what's going on. We know what's really going on, but we are going to joke on you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And another interesting thing I think that's funny, you've heard the Bad TV theme song, right? I don't remember it, but I have heard it, yeah. So Heavy D did... In Living Color and Mad TV. I did not know that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that motherfucker was cashing checks in the 90s. Tell me about it. That's amazing. I can't leave without mentioning one more scene. And when I was a kid, the tears that would be coming down my face. Was it remember when he got the splinter? <laughs> and he did the Rocky? <laughs> the Rambo? Oh, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great scene. That was just a great like action movie satire scene. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, okay, all right, I'm done. That was it. This is the problem with talking about comedy. It's just like I mean, we're just gonna be laughing about the shit that happened. Anyway, <laughs> man. Oh Jesus. Let me get, get myself together. We we tackled something serious, right? We were talking about a. Uh, the ma- masculinity or something, yeah. right? That, yeah, that was, that was important. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, see you next time on the podcast. This has been the Review a New Podcast, and uh, with my special guest Ken. Again, you can catch him at Dead End Hip Hop. Look it up on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, all mm-hmm. that fun shit. And uh, until next time, unless there's something else that you Mm-mm, wanted to add, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show, man. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Had a good time. For sure. You know, taking this trip down memory lane and, and showing respect to the to the comedic forefathers of, of, of this, you know, uh, uh, black internet comedy generation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Until next time, uh, this is the Reviewer New Podcast saying, fresh for 2020, you suckers!